What grade do the Utes deserve for this past football season? And which Utah player, players that have moved on via the transfer portal or NFL draft will be missed the most? And how about Tyler Huntley? We're talking about all that and more on today's Locked on Utes. You are Locked on Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Lockdown Utes your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube. On today's show, we're going to be diving into this past Utah football season. What grade do they deserve? Also talking about some of the biggest subtractions to this Utah football team who will be missed the most. And diving into an outstanding performance from Tyler Huntley. My name is JT Wish, so former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. And in order to help me break all that down, it's our friend of it's friend of the show and Ute Zone contributor, Dante Guardi. And Dante, when starting out with what grade would you give this Utah football season, you know, 10 and four season, you were able to return to the Pac-12 as repeat as Pac-12 champions lost in the Rose Bowl that but there were some underlying circumstances there. I think that's where I'm going to be great on a curve a little bit just because Cam did get hurt. So we weren't able to see I've said I've said before, I do think Utah still would have lost if Cam played, but I think it would have been close and one we still feel optimistic about and also like, hey, who knows as much as I think it would have turned out that way. Cam could pull a rabbit out of his hat and Utah maybe finds a way to win that game. So I decided to give this team an A minus for the season. I think for me, the reason I'm going to go A minus, it's not going to be an A plus for me because they didn't finish. And it's not even because they weren't perfect on the season. You didn't have to be perfect for me to earn an A plus. I think the biggest reason for me is I look at games like the number one, the biggest thing probably is the four losses. I look at games like the Florida game, such a letdown, the UCLA game, such a letdown, the Oregon game, what a letdown. And then the way the season finished kind of with the Penn state was just a tough note to end the season on. You do repeat as PAC 12 champions, which was one of the goals this team had. And the season was never going to be a disappointment to me, a complete disappointment. If there's least repeated as Pac-12 champions. I know myself included, I was talking about college football playoff and Rose Bowl and all these different things, but they returned to the Rose Bowl. They still did something going back to back that this program hasn't done before. So to me, they still deserved an A. As I mentioned, I go A minus because of some of those letdowns still. And the other thing I think I'll throw in for my grading is Utah didn't control their own destiny. That's part of the reason this isn't an A and it's an A minus is Utah still needed help to get into the Pac-12 championship game. Now, when they got there, they took care of business and still put themselves in the position to get that help in order to reach the game, which I think is important. But those are the reasons I still go A minus. And I didn't feel like I could give them below an A because they still won the Pac-12, which anytime you can win the conference, something Utah has still only done twice now after going back to back, still success for me. Winning the conference is fantastic. You know, no one's complaining about winning the conference, especially seeing how much this program has come um, since joining the Pac-12 back in 2011. And after going five and seven for two of the first three seasons within the conference, and all of a sudden being back-to-back conference champions going to the final game going to the conference championship game pretty much the last four seasons if you exclude the the COVID year which I don't think anybody really looks back on and takes super seriously but for my grade I'm keeping it more relative towards what the expectations were like back in mm-hmm. August if you were to come out and tell me Utah goes 10 and 4 wins the conference championship but doesn't win the Rose Bowl I'm going to say they met expectations nothing really more nothing really less so I'm going to go with a C just kind of saying that they met expectations, C being like the average grade, like for the expectations that season was was pretty average. They didn't go over the hump. They didn't really disappoint. I think it was pretty pretty straightforward, and we kind of got what we we were kind of asking for heading into the season. It wasn't a ma- major success, was the furthest thing from a failure. But then I think when you go into the context of what actually happened throughout the season, um, you kind of go, okay, well, that's why they went 10-4. and four. That's why they couldn't get over the hump. That's why they couldn't 
um, earn a grade from Dante better than a C. You know, I, I agree that A minus is a very good grade to give out given the circumstances. You look at Brent Keithy going down in that Arizona State game. We missed him for seven over seven games of the season. I'm pretty sure it was nine games of the season, actually. Uh, Tavion Thomas was kind of a non-factor when he was on the field and obviously all the stuff that happened off the field. And I mean, if, when you look at the defense, like they're way ahead of schedule. I think we kind of did set the expectations a bit too high for the, for the mm -hmm. defense, especially when we saw those growing pains um, in, the, in the beginning of the season. Towards the end, they really came on, though. Didn't give up more than 24 points in a game um, until the Penn State game. If you go from the first USC game to the Penn State game, all those games in between, Utah did not give up more than 24 points. The most points they yes. gave up was to USC in the conference title game, which was uh, which was 24. Obviously, the Penn State game was a bit of an anomaly. Uh, some big plays kind of put Penn State over the hump and Down some things that Utah couldn't really control. You know, that's just how games go. Um, it was a tough break. You know, I, I still think that if Utah and Penn State were to play 10 times, I think it would be a pretty 5-5 five and five split. Uh, yes. I don't think that Penn State's that great of a team. I don't think Utah's that bad of a team. I thought it was a little bit of an outlier of anomaly performance from both teams who are both very good, like I said. So I'll go with a C, just saying that we met expectations, didn't really do anything more, didn't really do anything less. Um, had we gone 11 and two with, a, or I mean, 12 and two with a Rose Bowl win, that's probably more, that's probably closer to an A plus or an A from me. Whereas just winning the Pac 12, like we did last year, kind of just meeting those expectations, like I keep on saying. Um, I'm going to go with a C, but I totally agree with your grade when you kind of go into more context with it. Um, it definitely does creep higher and higher, seeing what Utah had to deal with throughout the season. I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense because you're looking at it from the terms of if we had laid this out before the season, this is how Utah's season is going to play out. They're going to lose four games. They'll win the Pac-12, which obviously a lot of Utah fans were like, yeah, of course we're going to win the Pac-12 already. They felt like that. Now, I think throughout the course of the season, a lot of us got humbled a little bit and reminded like, oh, yeah, it is really hard to have a really strong college football season because it's just a gauntlet week in and week out. And then some of those expectations were reset a little bit. But like I said, if you look at the start of the year, and I think we talk about it on this show, even if I could try and travel back and talk to me when I was still fumbling through ad reads, as I'll probably do here in the next 15 minutes, but we can cross that bridge when we get there. I do think a lot of people would be really disappointed in the way the season played out, seeing as you have another tough loss to Penn State. You're not as competitive as you were last year against Ohio State, but because of those injuries like that, that's where I think I'm being kind of like the nice teacher. I'm taking in those circumstances. I'm taking in Cam Rising going down. I'm taking in the entire Tavion Thomas situation, which was wild and crazy. I'm taking in Guys like Clark Phillips not being there in the Rose Bowl, Duncan Cade not being available for the Rose Bowl, Cam Rising battling injuries at various points in the season. And look, I think maybe some of the other kids in the class are kind of like complaining, like, "Hey, we dealt with adversity too," which is that's fair. But like, this is I'm gonna I'm gonna be a kind teacher. I like to give the benefit of the doubt. I would say and like give them a boost because of some of those things that happened. So I think that's why I ended up going with an A minus. And I think for me too, part of the reason I didn't go with a C because you're saying what the definition of a C is average like that. I just, I think for a lot of people too, I think they look at C as a bad, a bad yeah. grade. I know just depending on look, every, every parent and every household is different like that. I know for a, a lot of, look, just insight into mine growing up, uh, C's were, were very good. I think that's part of the reason I go to a minus is because even though there were some disappointment included, there were a lot of really high points. And I think because of that is why I still tend to give you the Utes the benefit of the doubt in terms in my grading scale, why I still go to a minus, but I can, in terms of average for where the expectations were set at. if we're factoring that in i think you can't really make a strong argument for a c in your in, in what you're stating yeah my dad's probably be watching this a little bit disappointed that i'm saying a c is average but um that's kind of the way that the the world views a c so i'm kind of going with the perspective of a teacher in middle school or whatever that might be who says this is what an average grade is and technically a c is average when you just 
plainly look at the grade scale. So that's that's that was my reasoning behind uh, that whole thing. But I mean, like you, like I, like we both said, I mean, there are definitely arguments for it being higher than a C. A C is probably the worst possible grade that you can give mm-hmm. this football team when you just look at all the adversity that they had to go through. And a lot of the games were like there for the taking. It wasn't like Utah was getting dismantled in every game. You know, Florida six yards away, six yards mm-hmm. away from starting the season six and one. You beat USC. Like, how do Utah? only had one loss after the first USC game, we're still thinking college ball playoff. And looking how looking at how UCLA season was going at the time, it was like, that's a very good loss. That's definitely not the worst possible loss to have. So at one with sitting at one loss with a win against USC, who was undefeated at the time, like we're still thinking playoff. That's how close we were to that point in the season thinking that. Whereas when we were heading into the first USC week, it wasn't really like that. It was kind of like, what is going on with Utah? You know, just got dismantled kind of by, by UCLA. Um, nobody was really sure what to expect. Came back around uh, when the back was against the wall. Utah came back and hit hard, obviously winning the Pac-12 championship. So Utah did leave a lot of opportunities on the table. Like go back to the mm-hmm. Oregon game too. Like that game was so oh my gosh, yeah. There were so many chances there for Utah to win that game. Oregon basically gifted Utah a free win in, in an essence, and Utah just simply couldn't capitalize. So, I mean, th- there were definitely opportunities there. And I do want to say this, like the 2021 season, as awesome as it was winning that first Pac-12 championship game, a lot of the games got kind of kind of boring after a little bit. Uh-huh. They, they were all blowouts. There weren't a lot yeah. of close games, whereas this season, a lot more entertaining, a lot more close games, a lot more fun. You know, there's lists that people have made talking about the greatest football games of this season. Utah versus Florida and Utah versus USC are on every single one of those lists. You look back at yeah. 2021, Utah's two biggest games. Obviously, the Rose Bowl was fantastic, and that's like probably the greatest game that uh, any Utah fan will probably see over the course of their lifetime, just all the – all the fireworks that were involved in that game and the storyline of Utah playing for uh, Ty Jordan and Aaron Lowe and their first ever Rose Bowl appearance. Like it just doesn't get any, any, any better than that in a way. Um, but this season there was just so much more variance to like elite performances. Whereas last year it was like Utah just throttling Oregon twice. Whereas this year it was, you got a close game against Florida and SEC territory. You got a close game in Otson. You got close games at Rice Eccles, like Utah beating a bunch of different opponents. And it was just a much more competitive season. I feel like just because of how much better the league was. And I feel like this conference championship, was a bit more rewarding because we know how much better the Pac-12 was. 2021, the Pac-12 was not very good. We all kind of knew that. This year, you got five teams with double-digit wins, six teams in the final poll. That is ridiculous. That's half the conference being ranked. I mean, I'm pretty sure the Pac-12 throughout, if you take 2016 to like 2020 or 2019, I'm pretty sure the Pac-12 never had a season with over four teams ranked. Now you got six. I mean, Utah's getting a quality matchup every single week, and it was just such a fun, rewarding season to watch. And obviously, with all the adversity, Utah to go through with injuries and stuff like that, it was awesome to see um, the Utes come out on top for the second straight season. Well, it's a lot of fun to see how it plays out. Those are our grades. I went with an A-. Dante went with a C. We'd love to hear your guys' grades in the comments below or on social media. You guys can tag us on our Twitter handles below or for those of you listening, at JT Wichisil and at Dante Guardi. Also, I'll just throw in because you brought up the Utah-Florida game because, man, that was an awesome game. Um, If Anthony Richardson gets drafted very high and doesn't work out, I think a lot of fan bases have that game to blame in a lot of reasons. I really hope Anthony Richardson is good. I really enjoy watching him play and do his things, but – he is the definition of a boomer bust quarterback, and it's going to be very interesting to see how his NFL career plays out. Something that also is going to be very interesting is to see how the youth replace a lot of these players that have ended up departing the program. We're going to talk about that and see which players will be the most missed next season in a moment. But first, I want to talk to you guys about our friends at Bill Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories that come with them, then you've got to try a Bill Bar. 
we just got through the holidays and I know my goal is to eat a little healthier this year. If you're like me, when you want to eat healthier, you but you don't want to compromise taste, then man, I've got just the thing for you. You got to try Built. With Built Healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious, you won't think they're good for you. Perfect for your New Year's resolution. What makes Built so good? Well, for starters, they're all covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right real chocolate. They come in great flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like real cat, real candy bars, and they only have 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. In the past, you've always just had to order them online, but now you can pick them up at your local Smith's or Sam's Club. And in addition, they're still available at Built.com. So you can go pick up a four box of cookies and cream, coconut puffs, salted caramel, brownie batter puffs at your nearest Smith's. If you're close to a Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter and churro. You can thank me later. Go in and get in on these great offers and deals from Built Bar now. All right, Dante, Utah football, all their delays and kind of transfers, you know, that was kind of a big thing for all the other college football programs early on in December who weren't bowl eligible. I mean, hey, how quickly did Cade McNamara felt like a week after um, Michigan won the Big 12 championship, Big, two, Big 10 championship, geez, after they won that, felt like then he had already moved on to Iowa and then Utah was able to really keep everyone in. Yes, I know Tavion Thomas left early on. Malone Matalele, another guy who ended up departing. But when you look at it for this Utah team, I really feel like it was great that they were able to keep all these guys together for the Rose Bowl, it being such a huge game. Obviously didn't go their way, and I think because of that, some of the other games, and just the position some of these guys were in, they decided to head to the NFL draft or just decided it was in their best interest to transfer. So we're going to do a little quick draft here and talk about the guys we think will be the most missed on next year's football team and just the toughest to replace. We are excluding Dalton Kincaid and Clark Phillips III. Those were the best two players on this Utah team. We know what they're capable of. We know they were game changers, and they're going to be. Clark's going to be a first-rounder. Dalton is for sure a day-two guy, and I'm pretty sure he's going to go in the second round, and I think he should go relatively highly. So I'm going to start off the draft. I think a lot of people will look at some of the bigger names on here. Dante, maybe you can grab one of those too. I think the underrated guy Utah's going to miss the most next season is Braden Daniels. When you talk about what he did at the left tackle position for this Utah team, he was outstanding, really kept Cam Wright in the on the blind side department. Yes, struggled a little bit against Penn State, but my gosh, who didn't on the Utah offensive line in that game? Overall in the season, I thought it was an outstanding effort from Braden Daniels. I don't think he gave up a sack. Dante, you can correct me on that if I'm wrong. But I if, think if he did, it would have been the Penn State game because yeah. that game he hadn't given up one. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So I thought he was outstanding all season and just to have such a sure presence on this offensive line for so many years, whether it was when he was an interior offensive lineman, right tackle, left tackle, you name it. Braden was a reliable presence for this team. And look, Paul Miley is also gone too. It's going to be a couple of guys this Utah team has to replace up front when you talk about those two. But for me, I'm really think it's going to be the hardest one to replace is Braden Daniels because look um, in the NFL, they're called franchise left tackles, college left tackles that are franchise left or program left tackles. Let's call them. They're hard to come by and you just got to find a new one. So mine's Braden Daniels. Yeah. Braden Daniels is more like a program offensive lineman. The guy did everything asked of him. Fantastic leaders. So that's a really good first pick. Um, I'm going to stick with the offense. I'm going to go with Makai yes. Bernard. Kind of the glue of the offense. Like whenever you needed something, Mikai was there to provide that spark, whether it was running the football, whether it was receiving, just pretty much any way, shape, or form he could make an impact, he did. And he's going to be really missed. His leadership was next to none, um, stepping up and playing corner in the Rose Bowl in Utah's first ever Rose Bowl appearance. Really tough spot. And he went out there and gave it his all and competed. And, I mean, you look back to just some of the struggles that Utah had earlier in, early in 2021. Like we were looking at that team sitting at one and two and just thinking – is bowl eligibility even on the table at this point? I mean, losing yeah. to BYU and San Diego State. And Mikai Bernard held it down. Like, he really was giving it his all every single week when the team was struggling, that BYU game. He was one of the only players 
that really brought it that game. I mean, he was rattling off big run after big run, just single-handedly keeping Utah in that game. And a lot of other memorable moments um, over the years, such as that touchdown he scored in the Rose Bowl and just overall making a big impact. He scored a touchdown in the Swamp. Like every big game that Utah had, you can kind of feel Makai Bernard being involved some way, somehow. Uh, scored a touchdown late in the Pac-12 championship game. Scored a touchdown earlier in the year against USC too. So, I mean, he was just everywhere doing everything possible for this Utah team. He's going to be a really tough one to, to replace, not just because of like his physical presence, but just because of his mentality and how much he wanted to win. Um, competitors like that don't come around too often, and we're really going to miss Makai, and I think it's going to be pretty tough to replace a player with the type of mentality that he had. Um, but we got a really encouraging running back room coming in, but still, Makai Bernard is my my number one. Yeah, I think you make a great point, Makai, because of all the things he did. The versatility is so key. Those in those big games, you knew you can count on him to your point. Also big in pass protection. We knew he was really good in blitz pickup, the things he could do there as an extra and just reliable guy out of the backfield that Cam really trusted. I think there's going to be some times next season where Devon's covered, Brant's covered. He'll go, where's Makai? Oh, that's right. I don't have Makai. That's the big thing is I think we look at some of these other running backs, you know, Jalen Glover, the Chris Curry's like it's encouraging they're coming back. They haven't been much of receiving backs for this team. And obviously Jaquindon hasn't yet either. So that is going to be a huge thing this Utah offense has to replace. We got, um, we got those three running backs coming in though. So that's true though. You the young guys will step up. Really, really encouraging recruits. It'll be interesting to see what they can do. Yeah, John Randall Jr. and the rest of those guys are really exciting future. And it's going to be fun to see what they can do in spring ball with some opportunities too. Um, I think one name that's not going to get a brought us up by us, but like some people be like, might be like, oh, why didn't you mention him? Is uh, Tavion Thomas. He's not going to be in mine, and I'd be surprised if he was in yours because, look, the 2022 version of Tavion Thomas, I just don't think it'll be hard for this team to replace. They were fine without him. They had some of their best rushing performances in the season. If you look at the Colorado game, and yes, I'm, I know the opponent in that one, but you look what Jacundin Jackson did and Mekhi Bernard did against USC too, and both of them did a lot of strong things against Penn State in the Rose Bowl. I don't really feel like Tavion Thomas, if he had, I don't know if he even would have been eligible to come back, but just in terms of replacing a player, I don't think he, he's going to be the difficult one to replace because you have guys like Quinton Jackson back there too. But your third down kind of receiving back and just a guy in Mackay who stepped up and showed up a lot, that I think will be tough. So the next guy, I think that's going to be difficult to, to replace. I think there was a clear top two personally in mind. I'm not saying these other guys didn't do a lot of really good things, but I think when you're talking about your franchise left tackle and then just a really reliable running back and your one-two punch, I think that's where it's toughest. A lot of the other positions I like look at and like the depth. I do think I'm going to go with Gabe Reed, though. I think Gabe Reed's a guy moving on to the NFL draft. We always knew he was kind of a one-year, kind of his farewell tour, got to come over here and do his thing, and he did do his thing. He provided some pass rush and a lot of those key situations, a lot of positive things overall on the season. And I also think when you're talking about a guy in Gabe Reed and what he was able to do for this Utah team, the veteran leadership he provided, he's already been a great asset for this team in terms of recruiting and bringing in some talent too. I think they're going to miss his ability to get home on some of those third downs because as much as I like Jonah Ellis and Van Fillinger, I'd still like to have Gabe Reed out there too because he's a guy who's done it at a high level for a few years now. Yeah, Gabe Reed had a ton of experience coming in. You know, he was basically a four-year starter at Stanford, so had that going for him. Just doesn't Jonah and Van Fillinger simply don't have the experience that he has, the the smarts and the knowing the ins and outs of college offenses um, on the level that Gabe Reed did and displayed because he was the most consistent pass rusher um, on this Utah football team throughout the year. And it was kind of like when things weren't really working out early on with the defense being so young, he was kind of the one holding it down and stepping up in some of those key moments and, and making big plays. So I'm going to, I'm going to keep it kind of similar. I'm going to stick with the defense as well. I'm going to go Mahmoud Diabate mm. um, for my second pick, kind of similar to, to Gabe Reed. I kind of view those two as they're both of their main um, 
contributions came while rushing the passer. Uh, those yeah. two were all over the place in the Pac-12 championship game. And when Mamu Diabate kind of got moved to an edge defender, he really made his presence yes. felt. He had elite speed. Or he should have been all year. I'm, I'm yeah, just he definitely should have been all year. On this show, we both have, but it's just yeah. one of those things where I yeah. feel like he, he would have been the he might have been the first pick if he played there the whole season. Uh, I really do think that he would have been. And I I, I kind of hate that fact that he just wasn't used there because I was on that train ever since he committed to Utah. I thought he was going to be an edge defender. Honestly, I was like, when they see him in fall camp, when they see him actually play, they're going to know to move him there. And they finally did. And Utah fans got to reap the rewards because he was simply a menace. You know, like I said, elite speed off the edge, um, knew the ins and outs of offenses. You know, he was a starter for Florida for multiple years and made some really nice plays off the edge as a Gator as well. Um, but I think just that speed and the overall athleticism that he brings um, to the to the defense is kind of unmatched and it's kind of hard to find. Honestly, maybe not so much nowadays with the transfer portal and guys just being available seemingly everywhere. But that was a great pickup, in my opinion. That was a really underrated pickup by Utah. Like a lot of people were expecting him to fill that Devin Devin Lloyd gap, kind of how we touched on um, last time I was on this show. But I mean, he really came into his own and made it made his own impact. And and he was a really good player um, for the defense, specifically in pass rush. So I think it's going to be tough to replace that. You know, we've already seen the two best defensive ends in the transfer portal. Uh, Gene Baptiste from Ohio State, he went to Notre Dame, and Jordan Birch from South Carolina off to Oregon. So I don't know. At this point, it's going to be really tough to replace a player like that because we've already seen a couple of elite defensive ends um, move on. So it'll be interesting to see who Utah brings in to replace Mamu Diabate, along with Gabriel to kind of view those two. Um, as a similar hole to yeah. fill. And I was kind of glad, glad you picked Gabriel because it made my decision a lot yeah. easier. <laughs> yeah, I think the reason I didn't go Diabate over him is just because of his struggles in coverage. I think yeah. just the way he was used in a lot of ways is where he was a negative at times. And I really believe his future in the NFL, even though he's not the biggest guy, is going to be as an outside linebacker because – Look, he just really struggled in coverage this past season. I don't think an NFL team is going to bring him in and be like, you know what we want you to do is drop back and sit in zones because that was something he really struggled with and being over-aggressive at different points. He's great when he has those opportunities. That's why a lot of his best plays are made in the red zone because you can't really. there's not really a lot of trickery going on in the red zone as much. You could just go full bore, full aggression. That's where he's at his best and was able to do. And I think he will definitely be felt, though, his absence, to your point, on those third longs next season. And look, this Utah team has a lot of depth at defensive end in terms of the guys who are coming back. But at the same time, those guys that for a lot of the season, there's a reason we talked about Utah's lack of a pass rush. Those guys are a part of that too. So it's going to be interesting to see how they develop their repertoire over the season. And obviously, I Dante, we got to talk about your guy Jonah Ellis. You know he's going to do some great things next season. But we'll dive more into that group and what they look like for the future another day. We're going to come back in a moment and round out our draft with two more picks each. And then we got to talk about Tyler Huntley because he was absolutely balling against the Bengals in the wild card round. But first, I want to talk to you guys about our friends at UCCU. UCCU is opening a new branch in Vineyard to celebrate UCCU is giving away 2023 Kawasaki Terry Times 4 UTV. Vineyard is one of the fastest growing cities in the state. The new branch offers all the benefits of a UCCU branch, multiple drive-up lanes, 24-hour ATM, and UC's brand new interactive teller machines, or ITMs for short, which provide all the benefits of meeting with a real UCCU professional, either in the branch or right from your vehicle. It's a virtual connection to a remote teller with a highly personalized audio and video connection. So celebrate the new Vineyard UCCU branch and enter to win a 2023 Kawasaki Terrier. Once again, there's times four of those a UTV. Winners will be announced in April just in time for summer fun. Stop by a UCCU new branch in Vineyard, conveniently located next to Megaplex Theaters and Topgolf, or enter at uccu.com. You don't have to be a member of UCCU to enter, and there's no purchase necessary. Once again, you don't have to be a member 
of UCCU to enter, and there's no purchase necessary. UCCU, love where you bank, so make sure you guys head over and cash in on that great offer. All right, Dante, rounding out our draft. A couple other good names on here that I could think about. Um, I don't want to steal this one if he is going to be yours, but I'm not going to go with Paul Miley personally because I think Johnny Maya did a lot of really good things at the center position. He's going to just miss the cut for me. I think the guy I'm looking at is going to be Logan Kendall. And I think so. I, I personally, I'm a little surprised that Logan Kendall did decide to go, but same thing for him. Just looked like he just wanted to do the one year thing. He did have some eligibility left. I understand wanting to be done. I'm just not sure what his NFL future is, just not being a bigger guy. We look at Cole Fotheringham. Yes, he got an opportunity with the Raiders practice squad, but I think you look at Cole's size still, and you go like, okay, he can. I feel like he's a guy who can move NFL guys. He can still run some solid routes versus Logan really doesn't give you anything in the pass-catching department. I know he caught a touchdown, but it was on the trickiest of trick plays, basically, that allowed him to slip off of that one and scored. But why will Utah miss him? Because he was an absolute beast, mauler, whatever you want to use, a bad man in the run game where he's absolutely tossing dudes around some of Utah's biggest runs of the season involved Logan Kendall lining up on the left side or the right side, working those double teams with Satawa Laumea and especially Brayden Daniels and just moving dudes out of the way. A lot of tight ends struggle to move defensive ends and just defensive linemen sometimes. That was not something Logan Kendall struggled to do with the Pac-12. One of the other reasons I think they're going to miss him is Thomas Yasmin, a lot of his blocking in the Rose Bowl concerns me a little bit for next season. And I know Brant Keith, he's the guy who's tenacious and willing to get in there and mix it up, but I would rather have Whereas Dalton did some nice things blocking this past season, whenever we needed those short yard situations and you need the tight end to make a big block, you put in Logan Kendall in the position you needed him to, to make that. I don't know who that guy is going to be for this Utah team right now. Fred Whittingham Jr. is one of the best tight end coaches in the country. I have no doubt this team will be able to develop and find someone, but look, Logan Kendall was just a straight up man amongst boys in terms of a college locker room, the experience he's had. And I do think this Utah football team will miss the Rhino in 2023. I'm going to go with Jalen Dixon for, for my next pick. Yeah, um, there you go. Yeah, a little, little bit of a sleeper there. Made a lot of made a lot of positive impacts uh, within the red zone. Pretty much seemed like he scored the football like every time he got the ball. You know, he had a touchdown against Oregon State. Um, had a bunch had a touchdown against Oregon. The one the one good offensive play of that game was Jalen Dixon's touchdown. The one play that we can look back on and say, all right, things started looking looking good for a second there. That was because of Jalen Dixon's touchdown. Um, just his versatility, very similar to uh, Mackay Bernard, maybe not used anywhere near as much as Mackay was, but Jalen Dixon was a fantastic talent. You know, he pretty much had everything possible within his game and made some really positive uh, sparks for this Utah football team. And I think that what what's mainly getting missed is just the touchdown production because I do think Money Parks, like on a yard standpoint, on a catches standpoint, on like an overall production standpoint, could be better than Jalen Dixon. Probably will be better. He was this year. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, I don't think that he'll be missed like a ton, but just that versatility that like you never know um, what you're, what what Utah's going to throw out on opposing defense. Like Jalen Dixon was kind of the kind of the final piece to that puzzle of like just adding another creative element um, to Utah's offense. So I'm, I'm going to go with Jalen yeah. Dixon. His speed off the edge helped out a lot on the season. You look at what the plays he made, especially late in the season, really come into life. Even games, I look at the game like Washington State makes a huge grab in that one to set the Utes up offensively. Pac-12 championship. We had Dalton Kincaid drop that touchdown. We don't talk about that because Jalen Dixon scored one the very next play. There's a lot of young, exciting receivers on this Utah football team, but those guys haven't done it yet. They're not proven commodities, and that's where it'll be interesting to see. Honorable mentions, guys, we did not bring up. R.J. Hubert did a lot of positive things, and we literally in the best at the next level. I already mentioned Paul Miley, and I think Solomon Enos is the last one. Any honorable mentions? We're, we're forgetting it all, Dante. I think that's the that's the most most of them in the rundown. Guys who did positive things, but I do feel like, especially, I think RJ maybe someone were like, ah, oh, you didn't bring up RJ. Well, I just think based on his performance in the Rose Bowl and with guys like Clayton Isabel and a couple of the other guys you have back there, I do yeah. feel like Utah will be okay there. Nate Ritchie's coming back and 
Yeah, it's only going to get better. So that's a scary safety deal to look at. And you had Clay Isbell. You see the depth there. So that's going to be a room yes, that I Yomi Baki, who knows where he'll play in the defensive backfield. Too. Yeah, exactly. That that safety room is absolutely loaded. And there's no doubt in my mind that it's going to be better than it was was this season. Not a diss on RJ. I think he had, yep. he had some great moments in that yep. one game. Is kind of an outlier. Uh, don't really read too much into that. But, I mean, this room is just adding a ton of talent and is getting back a ton of talent. I mean, Cole Bishop was, like, the best run-stopping safety in college football over the last two years, and he's still coming back and only going to get better. Like That is a scary player, scary, scary player, especially when you take into account the offenses that Utah's be facing in the Pac-12, really good quarterback, stuff like that. You need those defensive playmakers, and they have one in Cole Bishop. So um, definitely don't think Utah's going to be lacking any talent in the safety room. Yeah, crazy how young Cole is, too. I think that's the thing that surprised it everyone. Is. He was just a true freshman those two years ago when he was first making those plays. And Utah for sure gets him for another year. And then we'll see after that. But we mentioned we've been talking about guys who were making playmakers and the special things they're able to do. Speaking of special playmakers, how about Tyler Huntley? Obviously, we know what he was able to do in college with the Utes inside Rice Eccles Stadium. But how about him in the wild card round taking on Joe Burrow and the Bengals? What he was able to do coming in for the Ravens, I thought he provided a really lot of strong moments. They did lose the game 24 to 17 i know he had the unfortunate one where he got the ball punched out on the goal line to me that was more great play than bad tyler huntley and overall for the game 17 for 29 226 yards two touchdowns one interception and 54 rushing yards huntley's just a guy who's every time he's gotten an opportunity this ravens offense where yes he's not lamar jackson but he's been as good a backup as you can find in the nfl and i think a lot of people are surprised to see him balling out and doing his thing his thing in these opportunities except for Utah fans, Dante, because we know Tyler's the, Tyler's that kind of guy who steps up in these kind of moments, and he's been able to do that in his short NFL career already. Yeah, it was kind of odd the way that this season went about for him because last season the Ravens were scoring a lot more points with him in, but they weren't winning football games, whereas this year they weren't scoring as many points, but they were winning football games, and Tyler yes. Huntley had some really good moments. He led that uh, game-winning touchdown drive with, I believe, there was less than 30 seconds left in the game when, when he put in the end zone against the Broncos when he was – you had to come off the bench mid-game to replace Lamar, and it was very early in the game. So I would credit Tyler Huntley that went over Lamar Jackson because he was the one mm-hmm. that made that touchdown drive happen. He was the one that made that win happen um, for the Baltimore Ravens. And sure, there were a couple of errant performances. The one against the Browns uh, wasn't the best. And then you look at this past weekend, and it was just kind of like he looks like a real quarterback, whereas at other yeah. times there were some errant moments, and it was just very inconsistent, whereas yesterday it was like there was not really a lot of flaws within his game. I thought the one interception he threw – was a lot worse than the than the goal line fumble. I thought that play was just like kind of a bad, bad, bad design by the Ravens. I think they were a little bit. Yeah, too a great play by Cincinnati. To, to run a QB sneak. Yeah, like you said, fantastic play by Cincinnati. Just unlucky. Um, that's really all it was, in my opinion. Nothing really to to bag on Tyler about mm-hmm. because he made some good plays to get them into that position to begin with. Whereas the interception was just just not the best throw. Didn't yeah. really see that other linebacker in the zone, but is what it is. Um, we're not going to act like every quarterback hasn't had a throw like that. Uh, within their career, but I mean, he was just making plays. He, he was making plays and adding a spark that hadn't been there in the previous starts because for somebody that usually just sits down and watches red zone, when Tyler Huntley plays football, I will go out of my way to watch the Ravens play a football game because I'm very interested to see how Tyler Huntley does because of all the great things that he did at Utah. And just throughout the season, that game was definitely the most electric. There were definitely more sparks there than any other game, whereas it was just kind of like, where it was either him just not working out or one of the Ravens receivers dropping a pass like against the Steelers. They lost that game. They don't lose that game if Isaiah likely catches that six-yard pass on on third down to get him in a field goal range. And Justin Tucker, we all know he's automatic, probably makes that kick and the Ravens win that football game. So there were just a lot of errant things within the Ravens franchise. I mean, we've seen players kind of come out after that that loss to the Bengals, and it's just something isn't really right there. So I, I don't believe that Tyler Huntley – had had the best situation to work with. And I think he played a very good game against uh, Cincinnati 
um, in order to prove that he deserves to be in this league still. You know, I don't think that's up for debate right now. He had some really good throws last night, made some really good plays with his legs. So I'm excited to see what the future holds um, because we don't know what happened, what's going to happen with Lamar in, in Baltimore. But uh, Tyler definitely made Utah fans proud uh, with his performance against the Bengals. And it'll be interesting to see how he does um, and what the future holds for him. It's going to be really interesting. He makes a lot of plays. He made one Mahomes-like play where he rolled out of the pocket, yeah. made that throw. Where I'm going to say what everyone says. Where if Mahomes makes that, we're on Sports Center 24/7. <laughs> even though ESPN did put it out there and retweet it, but Tyler, yeah, just continues to make plays and do a lot of things. Tyler actually is a restricted free agent this offseason. I think Tyler's future is really tied to Lamar Jackson. There's tons of locked on networks that can dive into that will be diving into the whole Lamar Jackson situation a lot more than we're going to hear. But let's just say this. Tyler Huntley is a perfect backup for Lamar Jackson in terms of if you look at their skimmer skill sets, what they can do with their legs especially, and they can still make some throws when you need them to, but specifically with their legs and their ability to create those plays, whether it's scrambling or just in the quarterback-designed run game. I think if Tyler, I think if Lamar Jackson's back with the Baltimore Ravens, very much up in the air, I think Tyler Huntley will be back too. So I do think that, I still think it's just hard to find those special guys at quarterback. I think the Ravens think they have one. I think they will resign Lamar and also find a way to work away for Tyler Huntley to come back. I think Tyler will still want to come back. Baltimore has been his home for the past few seasons. He has good repertoire with Mark Andrews. We know the Ravens are going to continue to try to upgrade their wide receivers. It's unfortunate that Devin Duvernay got injured. Rashad Bateman also getting hurt overall on the season. I think when you look at those guys' losses, that's one of the things that made it tough. You have to rely on Deshaun Jackson, the ghost of Sammy Watkins, too, all these older receivers, and put him in these situations where I do think he'll be back in Baltimore. There was another situation I think it would be interesting to see him in. Look, I don't. we don't know what all the other rest of the NFL is going to look like. I think it'd be fun to see him, whatever in New York does. I think a lot, Utah fans would have a lot of fun if it was him and Zach Wilson over there and see what happens there. I wouldn't do that if I was the Jets because I think if you have Tyler coming in as an undrafted free agent beating out Zach Wilson, it only damages confidence even more. I think when you're looking, though, for a good other place for Tyler to be a backup, how about the Bears? I think he'd be a great backup to Justin Fields, too. I don't think Tyler is a starter in the NFL still. He makes a lot of great plays and can do a lot of special things. I think any team would be really happy to have him as a backup. So if he wasn't back in Baltimore, I would like to see him with the Bears because I think I would even love to see him and Justin Fields share the backfield sometimes because I think he could do some really special things with those two guys together. That would be wild. That would be wild. I remember after last season, there was kind of an agenda being pushed to get Huntley to Seattle, which I was on board with. I would have loved that because Seattle is, is a very favorable situation. They got two fantastic receivers in DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. Offensive line looks pretty Live good. They started, they started two rookies this season on the offensive line and were still able to make the playoffs and still able to have yeah. a very good running attack that was able to support uh, Kenneth Walker, who's probably the rookie of the year in in, uh, in the NFL. Yeah, might be. So, Geno Smith, great leader. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I mean, now after seeing Geno's kind of like rise, I'm probably not as high on the Seattle move because I kind of would have liked to see him start there um, if that were to be the case. But Seattle would still be a favorable, favorable spot for him, I think, because if Geno does get hurt, I think Tyler's a good quarterback that can come in and kind of watch Geno's work, I think, because he's a player that was in the league for a very long time before he finally yes. had his success. So you know the, the guy works very hard in practice and is a good leader. So I think that would be a kind of a good guy to put Tyler behind. And if he were to come in, like I said, very favorable offense to play with. That offensive line is only going to keep getting better than they were already fine this year. you got the offensive rookie of the year as you're running back. you got two fantastic receivers who have very versatile, complementing skill sets in Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. I think Seattle's a very favorable spot, but at the end of the day, I would like to see him stay in Baltimore. Um, I'm a big Lamar Jackson fan. I, I've always, I always kind of have been. Uh, I love LJ. So I, I would love to see Lamar stay with that team. I'd love to see them build around him because when they drafted him, they kind of knew that would have to be the plan. Like You're going to have to sell out. And you're going to have to play to the guy's strengths because he just doesn't have 
what a lot of their guys have. He's a very special player, and they've done a fine job thus far in his career um, providing him with weapons. You know, he won the MVP in 2019 for mm. a reason. The Ravens made the playoffs this year mainly due to due to Lamar Jackson's level of play early on. Yeah. He was one of the best quarterbacks under pressure, was getting MVP chance um, early in the season. And I, I do think that he's a good enough player to, for the Ravens to just say, take whatever you want and stay with us because he, I do think he's their guy. And I mean, him and Tyler are, are really good friends. They grew up playing high school football together. Well, not, not together, played against each other. Tyler actually beat Lamar in high school, which is an awesome right. story. Um, so I think the Florida connections there, I think they're, they're boys. I think they'd want to play together. And I think Lamar would want Tyler to be his back backup. And I think the Ravens front office would like that as well, because their skill sets are very similar and yeah. they don't have to change too much when he comes in, which is a very nice skill to have. And he's shown that he can keep the offense afloat when he comes in, you know, he played a, like eight games total over the past two years. And I think they're about 50 and 50% in, in those games. I think he was three and two this year. If you count the Broncos game um, as a starter, it technically wasn't, but he played most of the game, led them to that win. So I think, I think he was three and two or two and three, one of the two. So he's proven that he can keep the offense afloat. He's proven that he can lead the Ravens uh, to some success. So I think it's kind of a no brainer. If you're going to bring back Lamar Jackson, you got to bring back Tyler Huntley because um, I think he's a great backup to have uh, for Lamar Jackson specifically. But if it's not Baltimore, I would love to see Seattle. Yeah, the grass ain't always greener on the other side when it comes to quarterback or just a lot of situations in the NFL. I think you could ask Devontae Adams about that this past season. But anyways, great opportunity for Tyler Huntley wherever he ends up at. And one thing is for sure, based on the past few seasons he's had, he definitely has an NFL future. As a lot of people in the state of Utah and specifically Salt Lake City predicted, but I mean, hey, I think in a redraft, he definitely gets drafted because of all the positive things he does after going undrafted at the time of. So props to Tyler for another outstanding season as it comes to a close and who knows where I'll be making plays next year, but it's going to be fun to watch along and see what he's able to do. It is the off season, of course. So Dante, what kind of things do you have cooking up with you zone right now? So I, I did some stuff covering just the NFL and Tyler Huntley and some of the other players. We got Britton Covey is going to get his yeah. first postseason action this coming week. And I believe okay, the only... really quick, Marcus, we does Marcus Williams deserves a shout out too. We've been talking about the Ravens the entire time. Yes. All the things Marcus Williams has been doing this that season. He has been absolutely outstanding. Yeah. I mean, he missed like two whole months and was still putting up like a stat line that would make you think he played all 17 games. And I'm pretty sure he had four interceptions and three pass breakups. Like that's a very good production for an NFL safety across an entire year. And he only played, I think, half their games. Yeah. I mean, I know he missed two whole months, like down He's the middle. He's one of the best safeties in the league. He missed like week five from week fifty. Like he missed a got uh, like a lot of time and still had a tremendous season. And I mean, I, I said it: if he played an entire year, he probably would have been All Pro. Looking at who the All Pro yeah. safeties were, I think that he would have beaten Talnoa Hufanga uh, for that All Pro first team spot. Had he played an entire season, but um, we'll never know, unfortunately, because he had a fantastic year and he's just a tremendous player and that that move to Baltimore is certainly paying off and I think that next year when that team is fully healthy they've been dealing with way too many injuries yes. in these in these recent seasons when they're fully healthy that's definitely gonna be a team to watch and a team that I'll probably watch a lot of just because I like Lamar Jackson love Marcus Williams and if Lamar ever goes down again Tyler Huntley will be stepping right in and gives us just gives us just another reason to watch Ravens football Another reason for sure. And as Dante mentioned, make sure you guys head over to UteZone.com to check out all his great work covering Utes in the NFL, as well as all the other great stuff they have cooking up over there at UteZone. That's going to do it for today's edition of Locked on Utes. But if you guys are in the market for a second listen every day, we recommend you check out Locked on College Basketball, the biggest games broken down there, the biggest stories, recaps, coaches' interviews, player interviews, expert analysis, all of it available for Locked on College Basketball. March Madness is just around the corner, guys, so make sure you guys head over to Locked on college basketball today and get in on all of that great action. Appreciate Dante as always for joining us. That's going to do it for today's edition of Locked on Utes, but see you tomorrow.